Welcome back to Restless. My name is Father Joseph Gill, priest of the Diocese of Bridgeport, and you've joined Lauren, Joe, and Paul as together we restlessly seek the face of Christ in the midst of today's crazy and mixed up world. And part of this craziness in the world is that people often don't know what the Catholic Church believes, teaches about sometimes big stuff and sometimes small stuff. In fact, I think it was Archbishop Fulton Sheen who said that uh, there's tens of thousands of people, tens of millions of people who hate what they think the Catholic Church is, but only a hundred people who hate what the Catholic Church actually is, because there's a lot of misunderstanding as to what we believe and teach. So today we're going to talk about part two of why do Catholics do that? Some minutia and some other, uh, some bigger stuff too, and say like, what do we actually believe about this, that, and the other thing? So I actually want to start with uh, the second question that I had written down, because it's, it's the most fun to start with. Is it a sin to cuss? I don't know if it is or is not. It depends <clears throat> on what you mean by cuss. I would say no. Well, um, I, I once had a priest explain to me as such, which was that um, Jesus is Jesus. Jesus is the divine word, right? Um, and so then our words sort of like participate in that and imitate that in some way. And so then by using words which are sort of inappropriate or filthy or, or, or profane, we are sort of sinning against that. Now I don't know if that's true or not, but that's how I understood it. That's hmm. how it was explained to me. But I do think there's also a gradation to this, right? I mean, there are words which are less severe than other words. But aren't those words kind of arbitrary? No, I don't think they are actually. Really? No, there, there's there's a good reason for a lot of the swear words, which we won't mention. Um, <laughs> they're uh, uh, they're they're always well. A lot of them are, are as, as you said, is is it's actually defaming something that's not necessarily bad. It's taking something that might be good and making it bad for the sake of for the sake of you know I don't know explanation or, or ex well, never mind but anyway like, like yeah yeah i understand what you're saying because like a lot of the swear words are actual like real things like a dog show they'll call a female dog a certain name and right but what do you mean by arbitrary father do you mean that insofar as those sounds we just assign those sounds that that word is to a concept is that what you mean by arbitrary what do you mean but what do you mean that when you say that these bad words are arbitrary well society has just kind of developed to the point that developed the idea that these certain words are foul but that's the same thing with holy words. I mean, every individual word in like the, the words of institution is arbitrary insofar as a different word could be assigned to that meaning. No, no, I think, I, yeah, that, that's true. And, and, you know, words, words, like words do have meaning and those meanings do change over time slowly. I think more slowly than, than sometimes people think they should. Um, but, but there is a sense that you do take a word that necessar- isn't necessarily bad. You assign it to something that's bad and then therefore it becomes bad. But like you know, and so like in in Montreal, calling somebody in French a tabernacle is like one of the worst things that you can possibly do. What? Yeah, they I, used em- implements of a church to call people bad names in French Canadian. You could, it's true. I have, I have never Canadian heard that. It's very true. And so it's like, is there anything wrong with the word tabernacle? No. You probably use it more than once a week. I, I do. Right. I frequently. I've never called but, a person a tavern. Well, that's not true. Yeah, well, Mary is the <laughs> Mary's the, the living tabernacle. tabernacle. Yeah. Right. So in so but way. but in in Quebec or wherever in 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 that part of Canada, like calling somebody that is like very bad. So you've taken something good and assigned it to something bad, therefore it becomes bad. That's why I say it's kind of arbitrary because I know going to Italy if I say la faccia tua just means your face. But apparently that's a big insult. It's huge. Yeah. You don't, yeah, Le- you no, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> because I mean, our Italian audience. I'm sorry. Yeah. Sorry. We have Italians that, well. that do little. Lo siento. 
No, that's no, Spanish. No, no, Medespace. Medespace. Yeah. I didn't live in Rome for a year. Anyway. I'm sorry. It's, <laughs> no, it's okay. It's all about intentionality, right? So if you're using a bad word to insult someone and bring your wrath down on them, that's a sin because it's your wrath and it's you're not loving your brother or your sister as you should, right? But if you like drop something and you don't mean to or you bang into something, right, and you say a bad word out of a reaction and it's not against anybody else, I would say that is not a sin. I, I agree with that. I would say that it's not a sin in the sense that, you know, you, you don't have necessary control over that, right? And especially if it becomes habitual, right? But I would say that, like, I think we are called to use, like, words have, we have to be very intentional with our speech and mm. everything that we say. And so when we when we use words, we should be using them in, in like we're, we're given words are like a blessing, right? Communication is, is something that's a gift to, to us. And like, we should be using that and we should be very intentional how we use that. So for me, I actually decided back in like middle school when all my friends started swearing, cause that was like the cool thing to do when you're in middle school, I decided I'm not going to do that. And that's, I never, and I never developed the habit of it. And so now I don't, it doesn't like, if I like stub my toe, I usually just yell but I don't see any words, mm-hmm. right? And I think that that, that, cause I never developed the habit of it. So I don't even were, think about it. Were you in Boy Scouts? I was not. Cause that's where I learned how to curse. How? Interesting, not how, that's, but. Oh, that's cause that's, that's what everyone did. Right, it was middle, it's not it was, like it was a middle school. Yeah, it was middle school, high school, yeah. and so all, all the so, kids did. Yeah, so I think that that's, it, it, I think it's more like habit, but that doesn't necessarily mean, well, just because something's a habit doesn't necessarily mean it's, it's good. Right. It may not be right. a sin in that case, cause you might not have control over it necessarily, but it's not maybe not, not necessarily a good thing. What's the actual church teaching on the question, though, Father? Uh, that's a good, good question. It's uh, it is not a sin. I think Lauren actually got closest. You know, it's not a sin if we just simply say it, but it is very rude, and it does degrade uh, just the public discourse. It's like I always liken it to picking your nose in public. Just polite people just don't do it. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you want to be a polite person, you don't curse. Right, and that we think we've been so desensitized to it because, as you said, Paul, I think most kids that go to public school, you probably hear things, you know. And I remember that shock too, like, whoa, you know, these words are coming out, and I didn't say them either. And then, you know, certain movies that you watch, they they'll, they'll like drop, you know, the f bomb all the time, and it's so off putting to me. It's it's just so unnecessary. Mm. Like, why? Um, but they've just desensitized us to it, right? The culture, media, other people. So this is normal. But the biggest offense is saying God's name in vain, right? right? And so many faithful that one people is a sin. do that, mm. right? As if it's not. And so I have grown in that of like noticing it mm. more. And um, it, I, it is, it's like a little pain, like, oh. I can't believe you just said that, you know, if someone else says it. And and people use it in a joking way, in an angry way, in a frustrating way, in a way to establish their authority kind of over you, right? Like it, it, that word has, or that phrase has a lot of power mm. um, and it's just so misused. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bend. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Yeah, I mean, in, in my workplace, it's very common for not just every uh, taking the Lord's name in vain in all different ways um, uh, is just, Common. It's just normal everyday speech. Hmm. It's hard to deal with. Would you ever say, could you not say that? Or would you mind not saying that? Depends on who it is. You can always make a joke and be like, hey, I'm glad to hear you're finally praying. <laughs> yeah. Or don't talk about my best friend. Well, yeah, like I that. mean, it depends on if it's, you know. Yeah, and the situation. Yeah. Yeah. I think that there's, and, and I would say that even, even in my workplace, though, like for some reason that's not a big deal. But like if somebody does swear, like a, in a very like, 
profound way in a public setting at my job, like people are actually taken aback still. Like we still have a de- decent degree of collegiality where you just don't do that. Good. And when people do, it's it's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of icky. Yeah. It's using As it should be. Grade school word. All right, next question. Next okay. question. Why do some Catholic women wear veils on their heads to church? I don't know why. Why is everyone looking that, at me? I'm but... not a woman. <laughs> uh, <laughs> We've noticed. I did find out that in Jesus's day, all the women wore a veil or some kind of a headpiece, and the ones who didn't were whores. Oh, really? Yes. Oh. So that, I guess, is why back in Jesus's day, they wore the veil or whatever you call it. I mean, my assumption is that it's about modesty. I mean, I don't know, like, I, I mean, it was, I think, I don't know if it was mandatory before the Second Vatican Council, but it was certainly more common, right? It may have been mandatory. I don't know. Yeah, it may have been. And um tends to be tr- associated with those who are a bit more traditionally minded, right? But I mean, it's, I, think it's, I, I don't know the historical, like, uh, antecedents of it past that, but it, it's definitely tied up modesty, I would, I would say, right? Well, I'm, I'm blanking on the exact scripture quote, but doesn't St. Paul mention something about a woman's glory being in her hair? Maybe. Yeah, that sounds... Something like that, yeah. Of a source of her beauty. And so, mm-hmm. it's, I guess maybe it's a sign of consecrating that beauty to God for that hour on Sunday. There's something about it that almost feels like um, uh, like lay people wearing scapulars, right? Because it's sort of, it's like a minor participation in a nun's habit almost, it seems to me. Yeah. Which is, so it's, I don't know, so something interesting about that maybe. It's mm. kind of like... Marking yourself off during mass or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think in because I mean, it does come from like a long a long Jewish tradition too, um, which predates Christianity clearly. Um, <laughs> just to clarify, um, but it was that you, you you're modest. Um, you're, you're the women are modest in front of the world, um, and reserve their beauty for their husbands. Hmm. And and so when you think about it, we have a little bit of piece of that in mass, um, especially in, like you said in tradition. You go to a Latin mass, like I don't know, probably eighty percent of the women are generally veiled at a Latin mass church, um, and and it is to, I mean, uh, you know, a Jewish woman would say, well, I do that for the men, hmm. so for the other married men or men that you know, like it, so it's it's a, it's a it's a gift to them too as well as well as myself so yeah. there's a lot of different reasons the that... jewish roots are interesting because in the jewish tradition men cover their heads during their worship when they go into, into a synagogue or whatever and the women don't hmm. it's kind of interesting you know they wear the uh, the yarmulke or whatever mm-hmm. how it's pronounced but so um kippah yeah right yeah so so it's, it's sort of interesting that that's it, if it's if it's a jewish root you might think it'd be opposite hmm. but, that's you know. interesting well, yeah i mean the orthodox women still cover their heads would you ever wear one, Lauren? Uh, no. I, so I, I don't really understand, you know, to only wear it in mass because you're out of mass and everyone just sees your hair. Mm. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I would think it's more for preserving your beauty for God, right? The way that a religious sister does. Yeah. And that I do understand. And I have naturally wavy hair and some days it looks nice and I'll get a compliment, right, on my natural waves. And so it's like... Yeah, right? To become a religious sister, that'd be hidden, right, for the rest of my life, preserved for God, mm-hmm. which I I can understand that, like, you know, that is a sacrifice, and it may seem trivial, but yeah, a lot of people are obsessed with their hair, guy or girl, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, how many times do you see guys even just flip the front of their hair over and over and over again, right? Are we all glancing in the mirror? Oh, how's my hair? You know, and I- <laughs> We're all looking at Joe and wondering what product he uses. <laughs> yeah. I do it too. So, 
it, yeah, it just, it makes sense to me to like make that commitment, you know, if you're giving yourself over to God and it's for him and you do it for your life, but I don't quite get it for, you know, an hour mm. and then not, and then, you know, I, I don't know. Well, interesting thing, interesting thing about the yarmulke. So I've, I've t- toured several synagogues and mm. each time I have worn a yarmulke. Yeah, you're supposed to, yeah. And I ask them, you know, why, what's the symbolism? And they say, because they, of course, you know, Jew- Orthodox Jewish men will wear it on the streets and everything. Mm-hmm. And they say it's, it's a constant reminder of God's presence. Like something you you remember God is over you at all times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was so interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So connected to that is the third question: Is what does it matter? Does it does it matter what we wear to church? I've seen some all kinds of bizarre things as a priest. You know what people wear to church, and and I've I've been of two minds of this. Like when I was in college, I wore shorts and a t-shirt to mass every day, including Sundays. And uh, and now that I'm a little older, I'm kind of like, yeah, maybe we should put on. A little more. I mean, what do you think? What is your, what's your attire for mass? Is it, you know, dressing up like going to work or better or less? Or well, during COVID, it's certainly better than going to work because going to work is in my house and <laughs> I may be wearing sweatpants and slippers. Um, but yeah, no, I Which I have I've, seen at mass. <laughs> you know, that does happen, yeah, especially in college. Oh, uh, all types of stuff came out in college mass. But um, yeah, I've evolved on this a little bit. I've always dressed better than street clothes. I think. Um, so if I'm going to wear like a jeans and a hoodie, like I won't wear that to mass, I'll wear something better than that. But I've probably, as I've gotten older, I've probably formalized a bit. Hmm. It's important. If you dress for something important, then mass is important. So might as well dress up a bit. I do notice that I do dress up. So for example, at St. John's in Stanford, I do think there's like different levels of dressiness that you, you should, and you should approach like to the standard of that mass. So, like, the 10 a.m. on Sundays at St. John's is far less formal than the 12 p.m. Mm. And then, like, the 5 p.m., it's almost anything. That's, goes. like, flip-flops and right. just came off and, the boat. And also the seventh early morning masses, too, can be some, like, people are in work clothes or, like, blue-collar work clothes and stuff like that. So, I see a little bit more variation then, too. Um, so, like, you have different gradations. And so, I'll dress to that standard. Or if I go to Latin mass at St. Mary's in Norwalk, I'll always wear a sports jacket or a jacket of some kind because that's the standard for that mass. Hmm. What do you wear, Joe? Oh, oh. Um, yeah, this is, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not great about this. I, first of all, I should say that I don't wear hoodies or athletic clothes unless I'm at the gym. So like, I don't generally <laughs> dress like I'm comfortable because, um, the idea that you need to be comfortable with what you're wearing is a fabrication of the American mind. Um, but, <laughs> That's fair. but um, fair. but, um, yeah, I mean like I try not to wear like gym clothes, like I said, or things with like logos on them or whatever. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I typically would be wearing jeans in the winter and like a long sleeve t-shirt or maybe like a sweater in the summer i would wear shorts and boat shoes probably <laughs> and a nice-ish and like a presentable t-shirt like i don't look like a uh like a bum or anything like that but yeah, i mean i think it, it matters insofar as you shouldn't be dressed in appropriate like like first of all like provocatively right in one way or another um and like when i see guys wear like sweatpants and and like um like tank tops or whatever i mean i think that's inappropriate um yeah, I don't know. I mean, cause I, I, I'm tempted to say, yeah, you should dress up for mass, but I also know that I don't that I don't do it. I don't <laughs> that's, know. that's fair. That's yeah. fair. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know where that leaves me. Our standard in my family growing up was always, you know, look nice on Sunday, no jeans, right? Like nicer pants, a sweater or something like that. And then Saturday is more casual. Mm. You can wear jeans and sneakers. Um, and I do recall, you know, from time to time, you'll see a family where the parents look nice or decent, but then their kids are in the sports clothing you know, and it's like one thing, I guess, if you just came from an event or you're going to a game, but let's say generally, though, like the kids should 
have the same standard as their parents, right? Like, how are they going to understand where they are and, you know, the importance of, of what's happening or, you know, heaven is there opened up, right? Like God, all the angels and saints, you know, we should have some respect and reverence for that. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's kind of my thought. Growing up, we attended a church that didn't have air conditioning. My parents still insisted on pants in the summertime and it was, it was brutal. (laughs) It was very brutal, but yeah, now they make these cool, like new, like Lululemon type pants that are really light, and they but they look formal. I don't have any Lululemon. I say that's a, that I is a store that, that I have I never shopped at. What? So, but. what do you think about how we should dress to adoration? Oh, good, good question. Because I usually go to Wednesday night adoration at Saint Cecilia's after going to the gym, so I'm in sweats, and I just never really thought anything of it because I'm there to spend time with God, and, like, that's the importance, you know? But I'm like, man, well, I think should in I that, dress better? I think in that case, it would probably be, I would say it's like, well, probably better to spend time with Jesus than going home and, like, using the time to change in that particular circumstance. It's not a mass, but I don't know. So let me ask you a question, then. Is dressing up for you or for... Is it for you? Is it for Jesus? Or is it for the people around you? Oh, I was thinking about for Jesus. You know, if I really believe he's there, right? Like, which I do. <laughs> should I be dressing nicer for him? But it's kind of a time thing, right? Like Paul said, I yeah. get out of the gym and it's only going to be available until nine. So it's like I have to just get there. But you know, as regards adoration specifically, I think we have a tendency to be very rigid about adoration. Like you have to be kneeling the whole time. And like, I remember one time um, there was a guy who was like sort of briefly, temporarily uh, in charge of um, youth ministry at my parish. And um, we were all doing adoration. We all got up to go get some, have some snacks afterwards. And I was just, and he got up and he walked toward the tabernacle. I was watching him and he walked to the very front of the church and sat down with his like um, right before the altar with his back against the, the front of the of the first pew, and just sat there just staring at the, at the at the at the monstrance in the Eucharist. And my first thought wasn't well how informal and sloppy that he's sitting there with his legs sprawled out in front of his Lord. My first thought was wow he not only loves Jesus but believes he's in front of him, and wants to have this intimate moment with him. And so like. I have a hard time thinking like, well, that person should, shouldn't be in shorts in front of their king. It's, to me, it's more like, wow, this person like disrupted their day to be here, to spend time with Jesus mm-hmm. and like praise God for that. Like sometimes I go to confessions in the morning at a parish near me and I'll be on my way to the gym. So I'll be wearing shorts and, or, and like in the winter, wearing like, shorts and like a jacket. I felt like some people were looking at me, but it's like, you know what? Like I'm here, like I'm, I'm here, I'm here for mercy, not for, not for you. So like I have to put on a suit You're to go judgment. to go into five minute confession. Really, like for like for whom? For not for me. Like I I'm, I'm, I'm sorry for my sins. I, I don't yeah. have to wear my sorrow yeah, on my sleeve. You know, like, <laughs> you should be wearing the uh, the big scarlet A. Yeah, right. Like should I, should I should I be whipping myself as I walk down the aisle too? Like what is it that you want from me? Yeah, you know? be, <laughs> I think that there is a difference between well, I, like like uh, the holy sacrifice of the mass is the is the highest form of prayer. So there is something that's that should be reserved for that. Like, I, I don't know. It, it's there's there's a reverence that's desired there. That's that's requ- almost required there. Um, and I do think that you said, is it for Jesus? Is it for you or for for the uh, for the congregation? Right. And I think it could be for anyone. Like I think if it, there is, like I said, there's a standard, and like it's 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 out of respect for the congregation that you kind of match that standard to some extent. Yeah. I don't know. It's not that's say for them, but it's for the the sake of the of the parish or or the mass. I don't know. I think it's it is good 
to dress well for mass mm. and and it is a it is a good sort of like underlining of the importance of mass but I just think we need to resist the temptation to make that be what's most important. Oh, no. Which I don't think it's going to be like, doing. If, if like, somebody's running late in their day and they just have a bad day and like they can't get, I would rather them come to mass than right. and worry like, frankly, about how they're dressed when they go to mass. Right. And know? frankly, so like the like, standards should be higher for me than for like the parent of six kids who like has to get one to soccer practice and just pick one up from dance. Like, like I'm not going to judge somebody if their kids in a, is in a soccer uniform. Yeah. Because like, thank God they're here. Because most parents probably mm-hmm. would have said, never mind mass. We don't have time for mass. So, mm-hmm. yeah. you know. Yeah. See, the reason I was kind of asking, like, who is it for is because, like, you know, tomorrow's my day off. And so I don't have a scheduled mass. And so I'm going to probably roll out of bed and celebrate mass in shorts and a T-shirt with an album, you know, vestment (laughs) on top of it. And, you know, I'll do my holy hour barefoot and, you know, whatever. And but I would never do that in a church. Like I've never. Yeah, we, we just also show can't up to... do. Th- we also can't celebrate mass in our homes. That's like true. Because that we're not <laughs> but, free. That's a good point, though. Like, so, but, if, but if but I mean, if you're in a church by yourself, like take your shoes off. It's fine. Like, it's... well, that's a good point too, Father. Because like in the morning when I pray, when I pray morning prayer, I have like my water or my tea next to me, and I'm sitting like in a comfy chair. Sometimes my dog jumps in my lap and like whatever. Like we're gonna go play, go pray evening prayer, and I wouldn't in the middle of a psalm grab a sip of water. Right. So like there is a difference between like my own private prayer, my own time with God. And then like I'm in public now praying in a community. I'm not going to interrupt, you know, I'm not yeah. going to interrupt the gospel, gospel canticle because I need water or something like that. So like, <laughs> I, I do think there's a difference in setting and then you have to be ten- mm-hmm. sensitive to those things too. Yeah. All right. All right so, so next question. Yes. We've Good. completed that we've question. completed that question. Yes. Okay. <laughs> we beat it death. to death. Oh, actually one more thing on that though. Sorry. I have a back thing, to life. I have another thing. Is that if you go to... Um, if you go to a church, probably not Catholic, or some Catholic churches actually down south, they get very dressed up. Oh yeah, it's it's suits and ties for men. I and love women wearing cool hats. And it's women wearing <laughs> dresses cool and hats, and, and it's it's a very formal event. Yes. Um, and some of the Catholic churches down there have actually mimicked that to some extent. But some of that is not for God, but so that other people will admire you. That's true. Which is That's you know true. kind of maybe not the best. Not the best, but now, did you see what so and so was wearing at church on Sunday? That type. Mm. Yeah, that was my imitation of a Southern woman. <laughs> Good job. <Okay. laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you are a Southerner, so. Are you? Maryland is not this. Well, kind of is the South, yeah. <laughs> anyway. Hybrid. <laughs> hybrid, yeah. So, um, Lent and rules for fasting. Like, this is, this is a huge debate. Can you take Sundays off from your Lenten penance? Yes. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> okay, well, there you go. Okay, next question. Whoa. <laughs> Sunday is a mini Easter. And it is not right for the wedding guests to to um, fast while the bridegroom is present. <laughs> I know, but it's like the first Sunday of Lent. It's called Lent. I mean, yeah, and so. Well, it's Look, I'm like with during, you guys, the, during but... <laughs> the year. You could say every Friday is a mini Lent, and every Sunday is right. a mini Easter. Oh, that's good. That's true. Yeah, yeah. I, I hope Catholics who are listening know that on Fridays you are required to do some sort of penance, yeah. even if it's not Lent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I once heard a. I've, yeah, I mentioned most people this, don't know that. No, I don't. <laughs> I, on the advice episode, I mentioned that I once heard a priest tell a seminary not to be more Catholic than the church, and I think a lot of people should take that advice here because it's like you have to be hardcore and do your fast on Sundays, and it's like I'm sorry, Your Holiness, but like you know, the church says that Sunday is is a mini Easter to celebrate uh, to celebrate Jesus. So like mm-hmm. I'm going to do that if you don't mind. Like you know, it doesn't mean you abandon, you go totally like take all license and do whatever you want. But like yeah, ease up on your fast a little bit because it, it reminds you of why you're doing it the rest of the time, doesn't it? Yeah, I agree. Um, I think that also we have to realize that if you if you take on a, a voluntary fast, if you say I'm not going to have chocolate. Uh, for all, except for Sundays, whatever, or the two feast days that generally fall within Lent, um, solemnities Saint and Joseph, woo, 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 and Annunciation, and Annunciation, yes, but, um, and they're very close to one another, which is 
which is a Friday last year, which is very exciting. Well, and the Annunciation is Friday this year. This year. Well, yeah. There you go. So. Yes, for, for never mind. Um, <laughs> but uh, so so anyway, they. Um, but but I would say that if you have chocolate on a Tuesday, and you relieve yourself of that fast, and you do it intentionally, it's not a sin. It's not a sin to relieve yourself of a fast that you're doing voluntarily. That's true. That's it's true. That's that's important. Yeah. 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 So it's the holier than thou people that are like, well, actually, it's it's your fast, and you can choose how you do it, and we encourage you to keep it. Um, yeah. for the sake of the season, but it's not a, it's not a sin. Well, that's a good distinction between a sin and an imperfection. Right. So an imperfection is just simply not choosing the most perfect option, mm-hmm. which may or may not be sinful. Correct. Can I make an obvious caveat though, that just still be made, which is that if you, if in Lent you're trying to give up a specific vice and that's what you're giving up for Lent, don't take Sundays as an opportunity. For well, yeah, license. don't. Like, <laughs> you should, I can I mean, gossip you on Sundays. Right. Like, yeah. you, know, you shouldn't be. Like, I can binge drink because it's Sunday. <laughs> like, praise God. Like, no, you're, you know, you're avoiding sin. So don't. So avoid sin even on Sundays, right? So, well, I mean, it's supposed to be a sacrifice. You're not supposed to sacrifice sin. No, but I'm just saying. Like, I think some people right, choosing. Right. Uh, no, of course. Like, I think some people like, use it as, as a way to help them because it's like yeah. we're all. And I and I get that. And I just want to yeah, say yeah, if yeah. that's what you're doing, like, yeah, like keep the faith on Sundays too. If you struggle with alcohol, like you were saying, if you struggle with alcohol and you give up alcohol for Lent, then yeah engaging in, in drinking on Sunday is not the best idea. But connected with that is that if if during Lent what you're trying to do is form or break a habit, right, right. it takes consistency. You can't Absolutely. do it six days and then give in on Sunday and expect the habit to be broken. Right. Yeah. And that's a thing different. I think it's different. Yeah. So so I'm going through Exodus 90 right now, nice. um, which has been entertaining. Uh, and so they do say that on Sundays and on the two solemnities, you're allowed to you know, kind of relieve yourself of you to do an indulgence, essentially. Like if you're, you can have a drink or you can do something, but they do say like, don't give up like the media, like don't, don't watch YouTube videos, don't watch TV, like things like that. Don't, don't give your, give into the technology ones. Like try to do like have a dessert or a drink if you don't struggle. Warm shower. Or warm shower. (laughs) Yeah. So it's like, you can do that kind of stuff and, and that's okay. Um, But so that is true about the, the habits because it's easy to fall back in those habits. Yeah, it is. When I was younger, I was very much a, it's 40 days straight to Palm Sunday, and then Palm Sunday to Easter is Holy Week, so you can't end it then, because it's Holy Week. Um, but I didn't, I was so literal to, you know, Jesus in the desert for 40 days. Mm. Um, but I think there's something to be said for that, too, because it is, I think, a greater sacrifice. I've always given up sweets, right? To go the full 40 days plus that last week you know, and not give in on Sunday. But I think the distinction is this, just that we still have to make sure that we are glorifying God, you know, on Sunday. And it's going to mass, but I think it's more than that, you know? It's like feasting, like being with family, spending time together, you know? It's just acknowledging that that is the Lord's day. Amen. Amen. Right. So I can't figure out whether we have time for another question. All right, it's got to be super fast then. Do you believe that the Bible is literally true? Depends on what you mean by literally. So is, do we, are we as Catholics, Bible literalists, like, like, um, you know, Adam and Eve were real people and you have to believe that every word in that historical word and scientific word is absolutely true? Ah, that's the difference. You said scientific. I mean, who says that the first so many, was it 10 chapters of Genesis are scientifically true? It can still be, it can still be true. It could be metaphysically true. I think the answer is no. Yeah. 
Correct. Right. Great. But I think Bishop. Barrett. It depends on what you mean by literal, though. And I don't. I don't like the. I don't like that question. I don't. I don't think the, the answer to the question no, yeah. no for literal. It doesn't matter what it means by literal. It can't. If it's literal, means literal. So if it, no, it, I disagree with that. Okay. Anyway, go on. Well, go on, Joe. Do you literally think? That, I mean, you'd have to literally think that there were two different creation stories to take the, the Bible literally true as a whole, and that's what I think what Father is getting at. Is this is what Bishop Barron makes the distinction that the Bible is a library, not a book, not not a singular book. It's different authors, different genres, different times. So it's different. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, as, as Catholics, we do not necessarily see the Bible as just a historical textbook, although there is history in it. And it's yep. also not a scientific textbook, although there is science in it. Mm-hmm. And we read it in the right genres for which they were intended. But it, you're right in saying it's metaphysically true. Right. And that the, the church defines uh, the inerrancy of scripture in De Verbum, which was a document of Vatican II, as the, the scriptures contain no errors in anything pertaining to our faith or salvation. So anything that has to do with our relationship with God, his relationship with us, him teaching us the moral life, prayer, union with God, sacraments, that's all absolutely true out of scripture. Can I use an analogy that I always use in my CCD classes? Please. To hammer this in. Like if, if I were to like run out of a burning building, if I were to run in here and be like, uh, the building across the street is on fire and there are people and we need to help them. Like that better be literally true, right? But if I say to you, there once was a man who had a dog who walked, like that story, you know right off the, my tone of voice, doesn't have to be literally true. But both can be conveying truth so it's so it's like don't like we get wrapped up in like the to the point you get people saying well the the grand canyon was formed from noah's flood and it's like what like that's not like you think that's the point of the story like read the story more closely it's not what he's talking about it doesn't matter what what geological formations occurred from the flood that's not the point of the flood you know right amen all right well we've covered a lot of ground in this episode so thanks so much for tuning in uh keep learning more about your faith because i'll tell you i've been catholic for my whole life and there's still more to learn Thanks for tuning in to Restless. You can find us on Veritas Catholic Network. You can also find us uh, on anywhere you get your podcasts and on YouTube. And come subscribe to us because we need subscribers. Tune in next time. <laughs> <laughs>